0: you really think all this is an accident? You think we crashed on this place by coincidence? Especially this place? We were brought here for a purpose, for a reason, all of us. Each one of us was brought here
1: for a reason. Brought here? And who brought us here, Jack? The island.
0: Look, you want to push the button? you doing yourself if it's not real then what are you doing
1: here jack why did you come back why do you find it so hard to believe why do you find it so easy it's never been easy it's a leap of faith jack two players
0: two sides one is light one is dark i
2: see you in another light brother we
0: have to go back need to watch that again.
3: Hello and welcome to The Storm, a Lost Rewatch podcast. My name is Dave Gonzalez and I'm at the support group with Locke because nobody's put Tom Bombadil in a Lord of the Rings movie and I'm just barely keeping it together.
2: My name is Joanna Robinson and I'm in the anger management support group with Locke because TV legend Katie Seagal doesn't have an Emmy yet and that is bullshit
1: and i'm neil miller and i am in the support group with john Locke, who is not bald yet because i keep going to the doctor's office and seeing fox news on and i don't think that i should be subjected to that anywhere i think i should be able to live a life where i get to avoid fox news and i don't think it's fair for the doctor to put that on
3: You are listening to the episode four, season two, episode three, Orientation. That's right, we have finally gotten through this, like, three-part, uh... Opening to season two, and that means we are halfway through our six-part miniseries before we jump off to talk about Star Wars for the rest of the year. But if this is your first time joining us, you are tuning in for the Lost rewatch podcast. We are rewatching the ABC series Lost, and we split our podcast into two sections. One we call the Calm, in which we only talk about episodes we've already watched for the rewatch, is if we're, you know, watching it for the first time. And the second part we call the storm, because it involves spoilers. A storm of spoilers! Or what would be spoilers, because all of us uh, talk about things that have been addressed in later seasons of Lost, or in the intervening years, as we've compiled all this lost knowledge. You could check your show notes on your podcasting device right now, for time codes. We also have an interview, that's also in the time codes. Everything, right there, format, in the notes. That is The Storm. We used to be called The Storm of Spoilers. You could support us at patreon.com slash Spoilers. There you get a whole bunch of different bonus content. Some is Lost related. Some is not Lost related. This week, we managed to explain some developments in the Game of Thrones and Star Wars universe for our Patreon subscribers. You can subscribe there at multiple levels. The bottom most $1 level gets you access to our community slack, which is the greatest part on the internet. And I'm sure there, they will talk about how we have a live show coming up November 21st at the Canyon Theater at the Boulder Public Library. We're going to be talking about the Star Wars original trilogy at that live show. Joanna, is there a place people could go to reserve a spot at this free live show?
2: Oh my god, yes. If you go to sosliveshow.com, or as I like to call it, SOS Lives How? dot com uh, <laughs> either way uh, you can go register and we really encourage you to register we need to know sort of like we don't need to know we would like to know how many people are coming uh, so we can make sure we have seats for everyone uh, but the event is free you can find out more information about what's going on with us generally over at stormpodcast.com. If you have questions, comments, or concerns for us, uh, or just like to talk to us, you can email us, hosts at stormpodcast.com. Find us on Twitter at stormpodcast. Just like so many places to find us, guys. So come find us. Join us. Loss is happening. Star Wars is next. It's a great time to be alive in the fandom unless you're wise and off. Okay. So um, we are going to read quickly a review. That we got from a listener uh, before I hop over to a quick listener email. So this review is titled, uh, oh my gosh, no. The person's iTunes handle, which I can only assume was created just for us, is, are you ready? This person has named themselves Hatch, Hatch, Hatch. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hatch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the the title of the review says, real five-star review, five stars. Uh, Thank you all for diving into Lost. I knew it would be great after it was announced. And I recall Joanna talking about the Lost-esque stationary bike scene in the Westworld podcast. What a great Westworld moment just for the reportedly accidental callback to Lost. Probably the highlight of Westworld for me, but I guess that's an opinion for another review. I've listened to lots of the host's other pods, but I had to join them on Patreon for this one and the spoilery interviews. Great job on this and can't wait to hear the rest and also jump into Star Wars with you all. So, thank you to Hatch, Hatch, Hatch for that. uh, (laughs) Hatch, 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 (laughs) Hatch. For that review. Uh, And then we've got a great email from Ashley Olson. She signed it Ashley Olson, not that one. So, we'll just say that right off the bat. Ashley Olson, not that one, wrote us. Or is it? (laughs) It's actually Mary Kate. Um, Wrote us this email. Uh, hi, Joanna, Dave, and Neil, long time listener, first time writer. I found your podcast a few years ago in the throes of my obsession with Hamilton. I searched for, hey. <laughs> whoa.
4: <laughs>
2: I know. <laughs> I know, we caught one. Um, I searched for podcasts about Hamilton and I suggest, it suggested your episode from 2016. I was excited to hear people talk about something that I like so much. I loved the charisma that all three of you have. I got hooked on the off season tour and did an an MCU rewatch listening to each episode you guys put out for each movie. I also love listening to your Star Wars episodes. All that being said, I've never watched Game of Thrones. So once season eight started, I was sad to jump off the wagon for a while and looked forward to what you were going to do after the conclusion of Game of Thrones. I was so glad when I heard the promo for the Lost rewatch. Lost is my favorite show of all time, and I couldn't wait to take a deep dive into it with a podcast that does such a great job of both recapping and theorizing so many other things that I have loved. I came to Lost on season four when I was 20 years old, working second shift at a hotel and would get home to a sleeping house and had nothing to do. Before the fourth season of Lost started, they had a push that... All previous seasons were available to stream online. So I jumped in and started from the beginning, watching on ABC.com. I was hooked. I have the Lost Encyclopedia that DK put out, and I'm doing my rewatch on DVD since I own all seasons. My binge style for this rewatch, my second Lifetime Lost rewatch, is a disc at a time, four episodes, and then patiently wait for the corresponding podcast episodes to come out before I move on to the next, next disc. One of my favorite parts of Lost was looking for hints and speculating about things I was eager to read Doc Jensen's recaps on Entertainment Weekly the next morning. We'll come back to that, Ashley. I love to read the long articles and either learn new things or pump my fist when I notice something that Doc also noted as an important clue. One of your recent episodes discussed the absence of gifts – Or gifs for the show and how that was not a, there was not a huge online presence. I agree. The main site I visited for screen grabs and connections was dark UFO. www.darkufo.blogspot.com. I also, uh, this is Joanna. I also used to go to dark UFO. This helped me to see tons of ties and hints that I didn't notice while I was watching live. And yes, of course, I love to live tweet reactions to later season episodes as they air. Uh, and then she mentions uh, how when she was watching Orange of the New Black for the first time, she noticed how much Orange of the New Black kind of steals from Lost's uh, structure. Um, I so enjoy your podcast and having so much fun listening to your info on Lost. One of my favorite parts is when Neil tells us about trivia, particular to that episode, how it was shot, when it aired, how they did the rain in the jungle, etc. A piece of trivia that I would love to know is who the heck voices previously on Lost. Oh my! My phone went off right when I said that. <laughs> so it was like it was like you and and me at the same time. Um, uh, previously on loss. Those three words gave me thrills just like some of the music cues and the yeah boom. I don't know if I got that. I, I don't know if I got that onomatopoeia beautifully. Um, a fun note back in the day, I had a dating profile. You had a username and then a tagline that was like seventy five characters max. My tagline was. unfortunately the dating site proved unsuccessful but i have no regrets about the best tagline ever keep up the great work thanks for a great show and don't fall down ashley olsen not that one so uh we we know who did the previously on lost wasn't it uh like an abc exec or yeah it was Uh, lloyd braun yeah. yeah lloyd braun yeah so that was Lloyd Braun, who who was like—he's
1: the one who got fired for greenlighting yeah, Lost. For
2: greenlighting Lost, but he is forever. Um, there's actually a later reference to this. I was just watching a season five episode, and there's like, um, oh, so I think I could say this in the calm. There is a TV show and that is like referred to an in-universe fake TV show that's referred to in a season five episode, and I won't say the name of it, <laughs> but <laughs> they go previously on blank the name of the fake tv show and i was like that's a that's a lloyd broad i'm pretty sure anyway uh so that was from ashley a great email really appreciate it the reason i got so excited that ashley mentioned doc jensen aka jeff jensen is because that's our guest this week entertainment weekly's uh jeff jensen it's like
1: ashley summoned this interview into existence (laughs) with her email
2: okay so the thing we'll set up jeff a little bit uh more later on in this episode before we get to the interview which is a very 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 good very deep he's so thoughtful interview i really love talking to jeff but um jeff okay so like say you're a game of thrones fan and you liked watching game of Thrones. And you maybe, maybe you read Joanna Robinson of Vanity Fair, you read Kim Renfro from Business Insider, you read, you read James Hibbert for his interviews, you read, uh, you listened to Bald Move. You did like, you know, you like, you you had all your various resources that you like to listen to. When you watched Lost, you like just read Jeff Jensen pretty much. Jeff Jensen was like the lost guy. We didn't have the Game of Thrones person, we had some Game of Thrones people. Jeff was the lost guy. His like recaps, if you even want to call them that on Entertainment Weekly, were legendary, so much so that he is now working with Damon Lindelof on Watchmen. So we talked a little bit about that. We talked mostly about Lost and we talked about this episode, which is his favorite episode uh, of Lost. And so uh, we will go to that later. But I'm really, I'm just so thrilled and excited that we got to have Jeff on for this episode of the Storm Podcast. All right, I did all my things. Now it's time for something else. Yay, what a
3: great podcast we have. Neil yes. remind us what happened as we finally resolve this cliffhanger of guns down in the hatch on the island. Indeed,
1: it is season two, episode three, Orientation, which is, as Dave mentioned, sort of the third part of the opening trilogy of episodes to season two. This episode was directed by Jack Bender, who we've mentioned many times. It was written by Javier Grio Marswatch and Craig Wright. It aired on October 5th, 2005. It continues to take place, as did the previous couple episodes, on days 44 and 45 on the island. In flashbacks, we watch as John works through his daddy issues at group therapy, uh, then looks out and meets Helen, who turns out to be pretty wonderful. Uh, we learn that John also has been driving to and sitting outside of his father's house. Uh, he just really wanted to know why uh, he stole his kidney. Uh, Helen assists him in stopping sort of uh, we'll get back to that one uh, on the island Michael the many orientations on the island this is the most literal uh, episode title because Michael Sawyer and Jin receive an orientation about what Anna Lucia and the folks in the back of the plane have been up to and then she steals their gun and leaves them in a hole uh, Desmond and a mysterious film give Locke and Jack an orientation for what's going on in The Hatch. They decidedly, they have decidedly divergent opinions on the veracity of these claims. Uh, and then uh, Desmond runs away, brother. It all, uh, Kate, Hurley, and Saeed uh, also learn some stuff about The Hatch, uh, which I assume will come to play later. Uh, it all ends with Jack taking a leap of faith and John taking the first shift in The Hatch. Uh, Lost PDF fact of the week this week, Uh, this episode was originally intended to be the final appearance of Desmond, but if maybe you uh, heard Joanna and Henry Ian Cusick talk about this in part of the interview last week, he was eventually brought back.
2: Yes, this is not, trust us, we did not get super excited to see Desmond just for three episodes. (laughs) We we debated whether or not we should say this, but...
3: Yes. The only reason I brought it up is maybe not bringing it up is to make the joke that Desmond runs off into the forest never to be seen again, <laughs> and that's the last we see of Desmond. It's
1: oh, um, it really we're is already, just too hard. Into a jungle of mystery. <laughs> it's too another, hard to do that.
2: See another jungle brother. Um,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, because uh, Desmond's on a lot of posters going forward, so he, yeah, Desmond's not a. Not running. Not gone forever. Anyway, this week's uh, opening question, who took the bigger loss in this episode? Jack losing, ultimately, I guess, losing the argument to Locke, or Sawyer losing his gun and his manhood to Ana Lucia?
3: (laughs) I'm going to go... actually with jack but not for the moment you're talking about i wanted to talk about how jack is <laughs> how many losses pursuing, does jack
1: take in this episode pers-
3: pursuing desmond with, with like a gun and is gonna like get some goddamn answers and then He's like, I married her, and then cries himself into uselessness as Desmond's like, oh, so fuck it off now, <laughs> and runs off the series I lo- as Jack weeps.
2: I love that line reading. <laughs> I married her!
3: I married her! <laughs> I actually, I've, I actually I've watched mean, yeah. all of Lost up to this point, and I do not know how I'm supposed to retake that line reading still.
2: I, I love, I actually love this jack in this episode and i love matthew fox in this episode so i'm not here uh, this is not a joanna Hayes on jack for a, an hour episode at all uh that being said i married her <laughs> it's like makes me laugh every time
1: <laughs> jack okay so jack takes the bigger loss i will say that you know shout out to sawyer who really gets sort of owned in the con game this week and i love how it just happens all within this one tight episode that it's just like oh Sawyer got taken, it's great.
2: I mean, uh, you know, look out for the the very very low rise bootcut jean. Don't under- <laughs> underestimate someone in a low rise bootcut jean. Is know?
1: that a that would be a most two thousand five thing? Oh,
2: absolutely, <laughs> her jeans
1: on Alicia's jeans.
2: which spoiler <laughs> alert. I'm pretty sure she only wears those jeans for the whole entire <laughs> show. So yeah. Um, and then she
1: only wears those jeans for most created. of the Fast and Furious. Uh she just really loves that kind of jean.
3: Really since girl fight have we seen? Anybody seen the lower half of uh Michelle Rodriguez's legs? Maybe she just always has Blue those crush, jeans on. Bro. Oh yeah! I apologize for forgetting about Blue Crush.
1: Never has a theory been blown up so quickly by a surfing movie.
3: Worst lost theory: uh, Adelicia has no actual shins. Um, Yeah, let's (laughs) let's stay with the others. um, Complex uh, that's just been getting weirder down in the hole. I actually think that uh, this is evidence that season two Sawyer has like developed a new softer side because as anna lucia points out he did not shoot any of the others uh when they you know rushed at him with a big stick uh which he says he was you know too busy to notice or maybe forgot the gun but i I think it's just a softer sawyer the season two sawyer is not the sawyer that uh you think is going to randomly shoot somebody now that we've seen you know shannon and uh charlie uh randomly shoot at people well in this too right on the heels of a drift
1: where there was a lot of time talk or er, what was it was it in a drift or was it in the first episode where there's a lot of talk about sawyer both wanting to die and not exactly being a killer uh, so there's been a lot of exploration about what sawyer is and what sawyer isn't leading up to this and i love how um you know Ana Lucia sniffs him out as not being a killer sort of immediately yeah, so she. And- it makes her a very, like, on the survivor level, just that one moment makes her a very dangerous player. Because you're like, oh, not only is she clever enough to, you know, go through with this whole plot, but she's also very perceptive of what's going on. So, I like it.
3: And I like the episode for the way it, you know, uses Lucia and her reveal, uh, despite the fact that she's been in the opening credits this whole time. So, we finally got there. A lot of this episode feels like we finally got there. Uh, which I think brings us back to the hatch where we pick up right where we left the end of two weeks ago, uh, with, uh, you know, Desmond pointing a gun at Locke, uh, Kate this time finally manages to, uh, shuffle down, uh, into an armory. Wait, can
2: we go, wait, are we done, like, are we done checking in on the pit without me getting to talk about Michelle Rodriguez? <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, we we can talk more about Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, no, let's stay in the pit. Go ahead.
2: Pit, 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 pit. pit, pit. pit. Um, well, I just I do want to say um we saw a a gentleman swing a, a a mighty club in this episode. That was intriguing. Um but our our listeners were discussing this episode in our Patreon supported Slack. You too can join them for the low low price of a dollar. Uh they were talking about it, and someone someone described Michelle Rodriguez being pulled up out of the pit like like a pirate queen. And I'm like, it was that was a. Pirate. She really like, does. It's yeah. such an
1: awesome exit.
2: Yes, she just gets <laughs> yeah. fully hoisted out of there. It's so good um so yeah and
3: very seemingly very comfortable with the gun at least more comfortable than any of our losties have been so far
2: yeah it's uh i i just i love michelle rodriguez i'm glad that we didn't just see ana lucia order a tequila with jack and never again um but like it's so funny because um i remember asking uh a, a bunch of our listeners in in the patreon like when she first shows up at the end of season one i was like what'd you guys think crazy they're like oh we just assumed she's gonna be back i don't know she's on the cover of certain things michelle rodriguez is in the sh-. and i was like oh i guess it's not as <laughs> exciting this many years later see this
1: is the same it's <laughs> the same thing as the desmond thing that we yeah. just talked about it's like well like people know that like yeah. they didn't die in their first episode at least
2: so anyway, on Um That's all. That's and that's her jeans. That the, like the the jeans iconic pirate queen. Love it as a descriptor. Um, her getting one up on uh, Sawyer's. Great stuff. So also like how, much
1: better uh, pronunciation of others by Jin this week.
3: That's true, and yeah. correct subtitling on the previously <laughs> on by the subtitling people. Yeah, I mean, if uh, we're gonna if
1: we're gonna hold their feet to the fire. Fifteen years later last week, then we got to, you know, when they do it right, we got to call it out.
3: Yeah, which is actually, there's, it's not the only thing that's digitally altered this week, I don't think, uh, because I think the picture that Jack finds of Desmond in The Hatch uh, has actually been changed for all releases from original broadcasts, uh, because of some later casting that we can't
2: talk about, much like I'm hesitant to talk much more about the pit. I don't even know what you're talking, well, I do know what you're talking about, but now I need to rewatch the episode and more again. Well, poor me. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Uh,
3: Well, which is why I was sort of like pivoting off the pit uh, a little bit faster, not only because I love everything that's happening in the hatch. Uh No, I'm not going to chant for the pit. It's a hatch chant, (laughs) and it will remain a hatch chant.
2: Pit, pit, Uh, pit, pit. Okay.
3: But we'll be back to the pit, but I also wanted to point out that I love how, uh, in the show's way, she's like, oh, you're going to do the old sick prisoner when she's doing the old fake prisoner? And I'm like, ah, yes, someone who's aware of all the tropes of uh, being being caught in a pit. I think it was Javier who wrote this episode who uh, said that you're eventually just doing Star Trek uh, no matter what thing you're doing, and caught in a pit. Is definitely caught in a pit with a oh. with a maybe stranger is definitely a Star Trek uh, well, trope.
2: Um speaking of Star I don't wanna I I am gonna try so hard not to spoil my interview with Jeff because it was like I just want everyone to experience it for themselves. But there's a thing that happens in this episode uh that I guess uh Damon Lindelof still uses in his writer's room as shorthand for a kind of plot. Uh and he calls it a uh shoot the computer plot. So
3: Oh, yeah, good. Yep, yeah, right back to the hatch, mm-hmm. right where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so Kate is in the armory, gets a shotgun, managed to get the drop on Desmond, but Desmond gets a shot off, shooting the computer, uh, causing this week's, uh, so let me, let me, I mean, I don't want to, also don't want to spoil the idea if you guys are going to talk about uh, what this particular thing is, but I like how it adds uh interior ticking clock already to our, three part or a third part of a three part pilot, uh, in a hatch of mystery, uh, sort of, uh, escalating, uh, mystery on top of mystery. And like I alluded to, I think last week, I, I really like how, uh, our hatch plot, uh, manages to answer questions with other crazy questions, uh, because as Desmond struggles to try to fix the computer, uh, so they all don't die, uh, he instructs Locke and Jack to watch a, uh orientation film, uh, number three of six, it says, for the Swan Station, uh, that introduces us to the idea of the Dharma Initiative, a parapsychology research group uh, that created this lab. Uh, then because of an incident, the button needs to be pressed every 108 minutes. And we have our, like, what should be a super simple uh dramatic set of events, which is there's a button that either does or does not save the world, which kind of seems dumb when you just reduce it to a sentence, but it becomes the dramatic threshold for a run of episodes, uh starting here with like a showdown between Jack and Locke on uh if pushing the button is even real. Uh so Every day. I wanna-
2: Sorry.
3: <laughs> Every day.
2: Well, and Desmond. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> uh, I oh, want to throw it to Neil. Because, well, oh. oh, no. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say it here. Sorry. Um, because uh, we already referenced some, like the, the spoilery part of my conversation with Henry Ian Cusick, who plays Desmond. Uh, we should say that there is interaction in this um, episode where, uh, according to um, him, Jack Bender asked him to play it like nine million different ways, right? Play it angry, play it curious, play it blah blah. blah. And when he was done, he said that Terry Quinn said to him, "I think that was your audition." Like basically, they hired him for three episodes. They he they liked him immediately, and then Jack Bender just did like a little Dharma thought experiment on him and was like, "Try to do uh, try to do this whole gamut."
1: He's and, like, "Ooh, he would push the button." Yeah,
2: and apparently, yeah. like apparently, he passed. Um, you know, and we will probably see him again. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> because uh, otherwise, he would just run off into the jungle, never to be seen again, apparently, which, you know, probably not. He probably would have popped up, maybe. I don't know. i mean, would have been weird, uh, I think, ending the series, uh, the way it was with one of the hanging questions being what happened to desmond not that there isn't the equivalent questions by the time we get to the end of the series but we'll definitely get there i want to talk about a film plot device and how brilliant it is uh specifically just the idea they they shot this little bit of film i believe on the alias sets to sort of like keep it secret keep it safe <laughs> and have uh insert have taken out you know uh frames and chunks To sort of create this jerky editing, but the so specifically taken out chunks to create further mysteries. Like, don't, don't use the computer for what? What about like the incident? What's like the greater purpose of the lab? All these things seemingly would have been, uh, explained in different video parts of the orientation video that we don't have. Starting it off with a title card that says three of six is the first of many <laughs> such, like, rug pullings in this season of Lost, I think, uh, that has you uh, out there searching for other missing pieces that may or may not actually exist. Uh, it's fantastic. And, Neil, you said that this might be your favorite episode of Lost. What... what- does it for you uh, with orientation? Yeah, well, I think you
1: described a little bit of it. I mean, for me, as I was re-watching this, I'm remembering sort of the time of my life. This was actually, this aired at the end of 2005. I actually started Film School Rejects at the beginning of 2006. So this was in the time leading up to, like, my whole career starting. This might, this is easily one of the episodes upon which the first church of crazy town was built because <laughs> there is so much stuff in this episode. Um, it really did feel like at the time, a huge data dump of stuff from the show because there was so much mystery. And this episode just really is the first one. And what, what will become impressive to people is when they keep doing this. But, uh, the first one that just like blows a bunch of stuff wide open, you know, like the Dharma initiative, was really nothing. I mean, we talked about the logo on the shark, but we didn't. We didn't really talk about it in the we context. We can only
2: say we can only say the word Dharma. We couldn't right. say the word Initiative last week. Now so we just can say Initiative.
1: <laughs> in this one video, we get so much, so many questions, so much information. The other thing I really love about it is it just feels like every moment that uh, Matthew Fox and Terry Quinn are on screen together, it is just this duel of who can just give it their all mm-hmm. harder.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's so good. All this stuff in the hatch, these arguments between, because they're having the argument that the show has been building for a season and a couple of episodes. And they're just, I mean, and it's clear as you sort of watch this, this occur that this is an argument that's going to have to be had a bunch of times uh, because you see, you know, Saeed's not even reacting to the substance of it yet. He's just here to fix the computer. Kate's not really reacting to the substance. She's just here to look at the clock and panic, you know, and Hurley's just there to be like, dude. Um. So it's really, it's really interesting. They spend so much time with just Jack and Locke being the only two people sort of arguing this question as the clock ticks down. Um. Yeah, it's one of my all time favorite Lost episodes by far. Because of because of the just the the combination of how good the character stuff is with the immense amount of crazy information this episode tries to give us, I mean, just think about the Ana Lucia thing. I remember that as being like a huge deal. Like, oh my god, she's back! You know, we didn't know if we were going to see her. It's it's funny because we just talked about how it's easy to not be as surprised nowadays, but back when it was airing, it was wild
2: other survivors from the plane
1: yeah it was like you had no idea that there At was anybody one. from the back of the plane <laughs> and this sort of and th- this opened up the that door where it was like well if she's there are these other people from the back of the plane are there more people on the island what's going on you know I just well that's when the theories just started to pour Woo. and I, yeah <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, uh, so this is a- another one where I really like the flashback, but I do think that it's kind of, I, I don't know, Joanna is the flashback of Locke's, uh, yes. being encouraged to make a leap of faith by giving up his anger, uh, at all similar to the leap of faith that Locke, um, asked Jax to make by yes. pressing the button.
2: Once again, I don't want to spoil my conversation with Jeff Jensen too much, but this episode, rewatching it, I had this like eureka moment watching it. And then talking to him, I was like, Oh, he had this eureka moment a million years ago. Um, which is how much this episode ties the daddy issues, which we've talked about to these larger issues of like God and faith and, um, you know, the, the, the the moment for me, and I talked to Jeff about this specifically, but he also t- said a lot of other stuff, so I don't feel so bad retreading this, is when um, Locke is sitting in the car with his dad and he goes, I just need to know why. Why did you do this to me? That is a question that, like, a Job figure asks God. Well, actually, Job doesn't because he never questions. But, like, other figures ask God, right? Why? Why did you take this from me why did you do this for me why and uh his you know anthony cooper because he's a fucking asshole uh you know is like there is no reason you know there's no reason you know and but that's that's the like Locke keeps searching for that answer for the why for the his faith is open he's open to the universe in a way that jack with his bad father figure is is very closed off and Jack, uh, Jack's when you think of it that way, when you think about how closed off Jack is to opening himself up to the universe in that way, man of science, man of faith, um, Jack's anger makes a lot more sense in this episode. He is incredibly angry in a way that really, really, really does make sense to me. Uh, And Jeff explains it better. So I will let him, but um, I think, That father figure stuff is very important. The Helen stuff, I don't know how extra important the Helen stuff is, but it's so enjoyable. Katie Seagal is so good as Helen. Katie Seagal from Married with Children, Sons of Anarchy, Futurama, like freaking legend of TV, Katie Seagal it plays Helen Locke's uh once girlfriend. We know from the season 1 that uh, you know just sort of like as we knew before he said it from context clues from Jack that Locke is no longer with Helen. Uh he is talking to a phone sex worker and ask and calling her Helen, which is very sad. You know what I mean cuz like it's not sad to talk to a phone sex worker necessarily, but it's sad to uh, call that person by your ex. And, you know, when I watch, when I watch this episode, when I watch Helen and John, like, find each other, when I watch her, like, when I watch them smooching and stuff like that, I, it's one of those flashback moments where you get so sad because you're like, here is someone who is, life is throwing them a lifeline right here. And they don't understand that that is what is happening to them right now. And we don't know yet what decisions Locke is going to make to bring him alone in a box factory, in a chair, sad and angry. But, you know, watching someone happy in a flashback, who then gets so sad, uh, is uh there is so much poignant tragedy to it. I love this flashback, and I do think it is tied thematically to the island stuff.
3: I guess is there... A- it's not as easy as a one to one comparison to me, but I do think you're right that like the overall mood thing is there and setting up. I think even more importantly, what's to come is like. Well, it's not the stakes. Yeah, oh, good.
2: Well, and it's not just it's not just Locke's. It's not just John's journey because this episode, you know, uh, the pit stuff aside, this is a Jack Locke journey. Right. And so the flashback might just be Locke, but it needs to sort of be able to spread out to both of them. And like Locke is a person who occasionally has to grapple with his anger. Jack is a person who is always grappling with his anger. You know what I mean? And so uh, this idea of exploring anger and why we're angry and therapeutically trying to work through our anger in the flashback, like Jack should have been in that <laughs> support group. Big time, uh, and he has no coping skills when it comes to his anger, and you see that on the island uh, stuff this week. So,
3: yeah, I like it. It sets the place for the the two man team that has to press the button uh, going forward, and, and some of the issues are going to have to. Fix. Quick question:
1: So we're in agreement that Locke wins the argument this week, right?
3: I mean, I think he Cause does Jack because Jack relents. Jack presses, the, yeah, presses the button.
1: Okay. I just think I that mean, that's Loc- an interesting thing to keep track of. Who's winning the argument?
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does seem that that's like the risk of this episode that the episode has to take you to. And that's the part that why it's in our season two theme at the top of the podcast is Jack and Locke yelling at each other about believing in pressing a button mere seconds away from something that's either going to do nothing or blow up the entire world, depending on your belief in that moment is like such, a, from the outside, such a fragile, dramatic state. Like, I don't think you could drop somebody into that scene of Lost and have them think this is a remotely interesting show that is about anything related to the real world. Uh, But yet, it's like the point that this episode really shines, and I think sets up some of my favorite discussions of lost these larger metaphorical discussions wrapped up inside daddy issues, which are relatable, wrapped up inside semi relatable flashbacks, but then wrapped up in a greater unrelatable you're in a hatch in a jungle because you're playing crash there, and maybe you have to press this button all the time it's uh it's a good way of expanding. Into, I, I think, the type of show that Lost will eventually become without going super hard sci-fi, uh, right at the beginning. Even though, I mean, this is conceptual, but it's not like, uh, I mean, it's a lot less visually puzzling to me. A cloud smoke. Well, it's just electromagnetism Dave. Well, it's not a black, uh, you know, thing that floats around and drags Locke under, under the ground. That's a lot more puzzling to me than, there's an electromagnetic bomb or something underneath this computer
2: do they so they say electromagnetism in this they do there? yeah okay. okay good jeff it's jeff in the it,
3: dharma video
1: yeah okay
2: jeff said it in when he was talking to me and i was like i like made a little time code i was like is this one? <laughs> i can't remember <laughs> uh <laughs> uh looking out for spoilers it's never been easy guys um what a great line anyway uh what a great show this is
1: what a great episode this is
2: <laughs> yeah uh do we run a like we don't have to hop to the storm yet i just want to run get into some of our weekly questions weekly things that we uh we want to talk about let us let's
1: this feels like the time
2: uh we have one queer clear winner of the uh of the don't fall down award the boom carlisle memorial don't fall down award Belongs to uh, Desmond, our pal.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which, another fun fact, this is one of those scenes, and I think there's actually several of these throughout Lost, where you can see a crew member as Desmond falls down in the background. So, load up your Hulu after you're done. Rewind it. You can... It's there.
3: Oh, yeah. I think we had one of those in Kate Falls Down with the Liquor Backpack.
2: Another crew member?
3: Yeah, oh. I think,
2: right? Oh, so yeah.
3: I think falling down is a precarious <laughs> time to be yeah, in the backyard. Yeah, shop. it usually happens either
1: when someone's falling in the jungle or running through the jungle. Um, because the jungle trick that we talked about that our emailer actually mentioned this week, I don't know if they continued to use that. That was just to save money and time on the pilot. Like they may have actually run later in this season. <laughs> in, or in yeah, to
3: carved out a piece of the jungle to be the running part.
1: Eventually, of the they made Evangeline Lilly also run in addition to climbing things
3: oh yeah oh yeah well i mean kate again has had a very physical three episodes not only she had the great you know kate Escape uh by slipping <laughs> out of her
2: what a jikino what a jikino-esque description of that <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> now i just need to be good at composing soundtracks you and i'm are. halfway there you are hey, oh. and then you know she, now she's uh gun- gunning around and running to get huh. uh saeed on the beach there
2: goes kate gunning around again um yeah kate is capable we love her um jikino corner the episode ends with a track, uh, which combines motifs for Jack and Locke with a theme of the Swan. Swan is the name of the station, Swan station. Uh, and it is called the final countdown, but it is not actually go. <laughs> <laughs> <Ba-da-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-> <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's, that's Jakino corner this week. Um, Neil, do you want to, you want to, Bust out your Sawyer impression for this
1: next uh, next part? Ooh, yes, because it's time to get tied to a tree for our jungle of mystery moment. Um, wait, I had something else here, and somebody changed it. But actually, I think I agree with this one.
2: Yeah, I, I made an editorial decision.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you'll never know what my pick was, but our pick is uh, the missing pieces of film, which really was, I mean... If you're going to create two huge questions about the hatch, don't use the computer. <laughs> and after the incident, we had to start pushing this button are two awesome ones to cut around. If you're cutting pieces out of the film, uh, the film was a, if you and I wouldn't recommend Googling it if you're calm only. But there are there were some fun threads on many a, a forum back in the day about what was in the film. And what what was missing, and it was great.
3: It, it is pretty great. And then uh, it's you have the whole Alvar Hanzo thing on top of it. But I, I think the most important thing is they're like, whatever you do with the computer, don't shoot it with a gun, right? <laughs> well, also, and if they just would have had that little bit of film; they would have been aware.
1: I think what I love about this. Um, this video too, is it introduces a bunch of named characters who we now have to keep an eye out for those names. Like that's the thing that you have to do watching Lost going forward is like whenever they create a new named character, it's like, all right, well, I got to see if this dude's going to pop up or this person's going to pop up later. So
3: Um yeah. You- I, 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 uh, oh, I'm sorry. One more thing. I, uh, if you, I know if you're in the column, you're probably not going on lost PDA, which is good. Uh, but this is also the episode where they start being like, here's what all the books on the shelf are, because that's about at the level the fandom was at. Where it's right. like Desmond touches this book and this book and then this book before leaving the hatch. And oh, so, it's, uh, yeah.
2: it's Turn of the Screw, right?
3: Um, well, Turn of the Screw is what the film's behind, uh-huh. but they also have like, there's a book with a cross on it. There's a whole bunch of other spy, uh, related, related books. Uh, I think Rainbow Six is somewhere in there. Anyway, this is, yeah. Easter eggs about, visual Easter eggs abound if you think they're important. Turn of the uh, starting Screw.
2: Now. Turn of the Screw is about g-g-ghosts. G- <laughs> so that's fun. Um, uh, one of our listeners, Jules, in the Slack, uh, has said that she's gonna do a weekly thing, and I'll just shamelessly steal from whatever she's found, uh, where she's trying to dig up, like, an article or a theory, uh, that was, uh, like, popular at the time. Oh, yeah. So something she dug up, uh, is that at the time, uh Damon da- Lindelof told E Online uh that everyone should check out Marvin Candle's left hand. Weird, huh? Uh and then this this article is on today.com and the writer says we did and found that C- candle's left arm and hand never moves throughout the entire orientation film. In fact, it looks a bit fake, like a bad prosthetic, or it could be one of those twin peaks things, I am the arm and such, though we sorta hope not. Uh Ooh, and then, oh my god! I wish it was still the universe's <laughs> Twin Peaks.
3: If the armor shot, I would be like, oh, I make this sound." Ooh. I would have been
2: like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Remember Twin Peaks: The Return and how good it was? We talked about that with Jeff Jensen, Twin Peaks: The Return. So uh, stay tuned. <laughs> anyway, also, uh I I have something for the storm from this article. Don't read this article, is what I'm saying. If you're a commie. Um, Anyway, yeah, so uh Marvin Candle's uh left hand, left left arm.
1: Yeah, what's going on
2: with that? Ah, what's up with that? That's kind of a jungle of mystery moment, but it's encompassed <laughs> in what we picked, which is the film that <laughs> the film uh we we've been getting a lot of these really good star wars lost mashup memes because our producer diana is running this hashtag lost on star wars meme contest that we will be giving out like a star wars prize to whichever lost star wars meme we think is the best since these are the two things that we are currently uh bumping up again in our coverage and uh someone did a great one which is john and jack watching the film and every time it cuts to the screen it's just footage of jar jar from the freaking <laughs> <up.
4: laughs> It's just
2: Jar Jar stuff and it's not, like it looks painstaking. I mean the person must have taken so long to make this thing and then it just ends with Locke going, We're gonna need to watch that
3: again. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yes, more Jar Jar. It's a leap of faith, Jack.
2: <laughs> anyway, yes.
3: Uh excellent all right unless we have anything else for the calm are we ready to jump to our interview with jeff jensen
2: uh did we miss anything yes we did we missed the leslie leslie arce memorial ironic statement award uh goes to jack shepherd for saying it's just a button (laughs) (laughs) no it's everything jack
1: (laughs) Jack. It's one of those memorial ironic statements that you immediately know is wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, obviously, it's not just a button, Jack. <laughs> it's
2: just a button. Uh, do, do you sure. Mean yeah,
3: about- she was just your wife.
2: Oh, uh, I married her. I married
3: her.
2: I love how Desmond is so concerned. Is she okay? <gasps> that woman. <laughs>
1: desmond's such a good friend he remembers <laughs> yeah. that from like years ago or whatever
2: is she okay that he's like of man, that you were taking at the time that i once met you um no we have we can't leave the call without talking about our hurley moment of the week right which is hurley being like thank god things are back to normal on the beach and then kate runs up and he's like ah fuck god. <laughs> <laughs> uh poor hurley he just wants to play fetch with vincent on the beach that's it so you know
1: he was doing so
3: well
2: <laughs> Kate, yeah. kate's all dewy and looking like great and actiony and she's just like saeed we need your help and harley's like ah, god damn it
3: yeah
2: there's also i got I- like
3: five hours five hours of not being terrified she comes running back with a much
1: bigger gun than she left with
2: <laughs> <laughs> we should also notice that um uh, you know, so some of our listeners were a little annoyed by the moment where Hurley's walking around the hatch and he sees the pantry and he's like, whoa. And they're like, oh, great. The fat guy is like, whoa, food. But like, I mean, I don't know. Kate shoved five conservatively five candy bars in her. <laughs> <laughs> so I think yeah. anyone on the island is going to be like, whoa, food. Yeah. These people, <laughs> this is
1: day 45 of eating only fish and fruit, basically. Um, it doesn't matter who's walking by; Loss, they're going to be like, "What's going yeah. on here?"
2: Loss is occasionally hit and miss on how it treats Hurley, um, and uh, this is not. Uh, there are other offenses that I will fry them for. This is not, I think, one of them. But yeah.
1: I feel like we'll be oh, back oh, to this I, topic soon.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah, there's also the the uh, could I could have been, I guess, a juggle mystery moment that the episode very clearly has Jack Bla- uh, asked Desmond where he gets his food and then no, never addresses it again.
1: Well, it's, Uh, yeah. I mean, this episode has, and this is one of the reasons why I love it. It has these layers of questions like the, the, what happened to John Locke to get him to end up in the wheelchair is a question that sort of permeates the, the flashback, even though it doesn't matter here. It's like, you're just like, it's surreal watching this guy being like, when does it happen? um and it's the same is
3: this gonna go horribly wrong does she stab
1: him
2: i want to put like maybe a recurring thing we should do is like bad dad check-in or whatever right because like anthony cooper's really pulling ahead in the polls here the
1: bad dad power rankings
2: (laughs) when he's like i know i know like brian brian's way up there right um bad bad stepdad so anthony cooper
1: is number one because he stole john's kidney
2: he stole John's kidney but then this week he had the audacity to be like uh, for also,
1: get first,
3: over it.
2: When you first drove by my house and thought it was funny, I'm like, "Oh, fuck you!" <laughs> yeah. hate you.
3: Okay, so I mean, I think Bad, bad Dad, dad Check-in is going to go to uh, whomever's in that episode being a bad <laughs> right. dad. Yeah,
4: because exactly. I
3: would,
1: I would put it at. Um,
3: Let's see. Christian Shepard killed a pregnant woman last time we checked in with uh, him. So, oh, that is pretty bad.
2: But, like, does that affect Jack personally?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's the metric we're doing. Also,
1: Brian Porter was trying to give away Walt, (laughs) he was trying to return Walt (laughs) to the store.
2: Remember when Michael stole Brian Porter's dog?
1: Right, that's actually why Brian Porter's probably at the low end because yeah. he also took a big L with the dog. Oh. <laughs> so it was like it's it's like uh, number one is Anthony Cooper, two is Christian Shepherd because he's done some murder and like accidental murder and three is uh the guy who got his dog stolen who tried to return his child to target
2: uh sawyer's dad killed (laughs) sawyer's mom so and himself
1: oh sawyer's dad yeah that's a rough one it's
2: a bad one uh yeah well but all his
3: money got took that's not really Sawyer's dad was
1: at a pretty low point (laughs)
2: He killed his mom. He could have just had the decency to kill himself, but he killed his mom.
3: <laughs> all his money got took because the mom slept with the con man, is what the, we're implying uh, here with the Sawyer
2: thing. I don't think you want to align yourself with uh, Sawyer. Why are you? Why are you defending Sawyer's dad in any context? Or Sawyer's mean, dad is play. like a three. He's not.
1: I would still put him
2: above yeah, yeah, okay. Brian Porter. Are you so, that's
1: he's yeah. three I guess, Brian's fair because four.
3: Brian Brian like did raise Walt okay until he you know, Yeah, Brian like,
1: didn't he. kill anyone.
2: <laughs> that we know of
1: that we know
3: of that we know of
2: i would not put so, yeah. it past brian porter i'm just saying um all right so we're gonna do bad dad check-in uh probably weekly uh this week obviously the king of bad dad it's just anthony super cooper. easy to do so, all the time with this the show reign, the defending champ <laughs> anthony cooper right now it's just a uh, question
1: of can anyone yeah. can any father do something worse to their child than what yeah can, an, father to Tim.
2: can anyone unseat anthony cooper i have some possible contenders we'll, oh, talk, yeah. we'll talk about them when they show up um but yeah all right so that's it we did all the things it's just a button things.
3: then let's go to our interview with jeff jensen
2: all right we are thrilled to have on the storm podcast uh Jeff Jensen, or as some people might know him, Doc Jensen, uh, the preeminent lost culture writer. Hi, Jeff. How are you?
0: Wow. Hi. (laughs) How are you? (laughs) I'm
2: good. I'm good. Um, We are having you on this episode, Orientation, because I offered you sort of all of season two, laid it at your feet. And you said to me, and I quote, you said to me, uh, the episode of Lost that officially made me Gonzo fan of the show was episode three of season two. So what is it about orientation that made you Gonzo for Lost, Jeff Jensen?
0: Well, so many things. You know, when I think about orientation, I think about that opening sweep of episodes that, that the season premiere, which I think is called Man of Science, Man of Faith, um, uh, am I right right or wrong about that? Oh, or you am nailed I it. already losing my loss? <laughs> oh so good, okay. You nailed it. And I love that episode. Then we move into a drift, which is a definitely a drift episode of Lost, one of the uh, uh, worst. Um, but then orientation, which it kind of completely rebounds, and this sort of triptych of episodes completely uh just like I had been a fan of the first season and had written about it, but these three episodes taken taken together and specifically the third orientation just like made me crazy for the show. So orientation specifically, of course, is we get a huge our first big download of Dharma Initiative mythology, specifically in the form of that orientation film. And, you know, when John Locke said the immortal words, we're going to have to watch <laughs> that again, uh, he spoke for me and I think for a lot of people. And I watched that thing over and over and over again in the, in, in the weeks and months to come. This episode completely delighted and tantalized and, and, and hooked me for the part of the show That's that's the puzzle, that's the mystery that's what is happening uh in why why are these are, are these people been brought to the island what is the history of the island? what is the purpose of the island what is you know, all, all of these things like and, and what was the Dharma initiative and what were they studying and and, and, and what do they have to do with anything and, and 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 what about this mysteriously chopped up edited film and filled with conspicuous touches, like from, from from loaded names to the fact that Dr. Marvin Candle's arm doesn't move to the symbol of like, you know, like the, the, the Dharma logo itself. Like I was just so canalized <laughs> by 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 all of these details. And it just got that part of my brain that's that was that's always been part of my sort of peak fandom, the, the theorizing part of my brain. Going,
4: yeah,
0: and so that that this this, this episode like just just it, it launched a million theories from me and 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 really created Doc Jensen because out of that, I told my editors, I, I, I gotta be online theorizing about this show and playing with the show like every other fan, like you know, I, I was just that guy like internally at Entertainment Weekly. After every episode of Lost, I would just share my nutty theories via email with my colleagues. And like, you know, and, and they actually encouraged me, you you got you gotta you gotta get online and play with people. So that's part one of that story. That's a huge reason why uh, orientation spoke to me. The the other part, and I'll and I'll talk to this and then I'll and I'll shut up for a second, mm-hmm. which is that is that I loved, I've always was, uh, was intrigued and, 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 and I love the themes of, 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 faith and reason, um, in the show and orientation hits that really hard. Um, and, and, and in the conflict between Locke and Jack and in the, the internal conflicts within Locke and within Jack, I. I recognize myself um, as a guy who um, uh, is a person of faith, um, but also kind of conflicted about my own faith and is co- constantly questioning my own faith or even wondering where it comes from. Like, is it is it grounded and rooted in something that is actually real? Am I, am I seeing it clearly? Or am I just kind of colored by my own biases and my own personal history and pains and traumas. Do I want this to be true? Um, The conflict between these two guys, the conflict within themselves, the larger meta questions uh, represented by the hatch um, and how it pertains to all of that. It, it it just like spoke to me rather powerfully and building to one of my favorite, favorite moments on a character level in, in all of lost when, you know, um, when Locke says to Jack, why do you find it so hard to believe? And Jack says, why do you find it so easy? And Locke just says rather poignantly, it's never been easy, yeah. you know? And I was like, oh, that exchange, those three lines delivered by the way that, the, the way that those guys deliver those lines – um that's like i feel like that's my spiritual life in a nutshell um and and you know it's it's not you know it's it's it's, lost presents themes of faith and reason so fancifully and and in the in the abstract and and metaphorically and emotional it's you know it's 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 a weird thing it doesn't you know but uh it doesn't present necessarily a coherent view of all of those ideas but somehow it, it 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 expresses some truth about that in, in an emotional way and i just i connected it i connected to that so orientation is the show that 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 made me a uh, a playful fan but also kind of told me oh this is a show about uh, uh about deep things in me that i recognize and so Um, it was, it's, it's, it's it's the most meaningful episode of Lost to me. It may not be the best, like empirically in terms of quality. Um, but like, it's, it's, it's the one that means the most to me.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, um, your faith, because I had that down as a question to ask you. I know that about you, that you are a man of faith. Um I had that down, And then I was like, next to it, it says in parentheses, two personal question marks. So I'm glad that you were like, no, I'll talk about that. Um, but, but I, you know, I'm, I'm an uh, agnostic, sort of like atheist leaning person. And I, um like, I never, Necessarily connected to the spirituality of Lost when I first watched it. Um, I think it wasn't until Damon sort of re-examined some of these themes in the later, you know, in, in the leftovers that I really started to connect with that that questioning that doubt, uh, that he's so interested in, in his work, uh, and then circling back and watching lost through that lens. Um, I find I'm connecting with those themes so much more this time. Um, uh, but I'm curious if you think mm. that being, uh, being a man of faith, being someone who has a, a, sort of rich interior spiritual life, uh, do do you feel like that gives you an advantage over some other watchers in terms of connecting with what lost is trying to do?
0: Well, I I I wouldn't say that I have a a, a, a rich internal <laughs> spiritual life. I would definitely say I I have a tumultuous mm-hmm. and conflicted and even confused spiritual life. And I would argue that that's what I found reflected in the show. You know, like like it, it was a show that seemed to sort of like have a lot of empathy for really confused spiritual people like me. Mm. Um, even as I, I persist in faith of like, I, I feel like that there is something true about what I believe. Um, um, it also kind of, uh, and, and so the, 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 show affirms that part of me. Yeah. It also challenges me to interrogate that faith and kind of go, really? Like, why do you believe what you believe? Like, how can you be so certain what if your faith is a product of, of 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 anything from just confused intellectual thinking to you know wish fulfillment fantasy to past trauma uh, all of that I, I appreciated lost uh challenging me but also kind of saying i'm with you like i empathize with that too you know so um so um, that said, to, so I, I would just want to clarify sure. that part yeah. of it. Does that? Did that? Did that give me? Does that give an advantage? I've always said about Lost that um, that that it's such a it's such a rich and, and 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 complicated show, and you can enjoy it on so many different levels for so many different reasons, and think it's the greatest thing ever. Right. Right. The two things that I kind of identified that the the theorizing puzzle part of the show, the mystery part of the show and the issues of faith um, in in the show. Like those are two of many reasons why people can love the show and be so like, uh, so so wild about the show. And, 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 and I know a lot of other fans who like for whom it's just like, Oh, like that was, that was an interesting theme, or oh, I didn't go in for theorizing at all. I just love the amazing adventure of all of this stuff, and um, and 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 these finely drawn characters, and the and, and the spectacular storytelling. I mean, that alone is worth watching the show. So, like, um, the fact that I connected with those 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 two areas of the show that. Um, you know, obviously the issues of, 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 spirituality are, 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 were very important to the creators of the show. And, and certainly the show played to the part of the audience that wanted to play with the show as a kind of puzzle. Um, that certainly like helped my, my personal appreciation of the show, but I'm I I, I I'm reluctant to compare and contrast different kinds of fans yeah, or say sure. that one mode or relationship to lost is uh, puts you in a better position to like the show or makes you a, a different or better kind of fan. Like um, we, we all, this, this show meant so much to so many people for so many different reasons. And that's one of the things that is so beautiful about it, that, that it could have such a, you know, inspire such a diverse, a uh, uh, fan base and a and a and a, and a an eclectic set of interest in it, you know.
2: Absolutely, no, like I, yeah, I, I definitely wasn't trying to angle for like does that make you a better fan? Um, but I am no, cur- yeah, I, yeah, yeah, for sure. I do want to circle back to this. Um, this theme of faith with which I think is so and and doubt, which I think are so interesting in this episode, and you mention, of course, that great exchange between uh Jack and Locke, but there's also this moment when Locke is talking to his father. Uh, and he's asking him why you know i just want to know why you did this to me and and, yeah. and for that it really drove home something that i wasn't connecting super yeah. well which is the issue with fathers in this show which you know of course damon and everyone has talked about <laughs> in terms of loss so like the issues of fathers but then the the you know blurring that line of like daddy issues, if you want to put it that way, and, and God issues, you know what I mean? To sort of like that doubt, that faith, that thing that we look for in a father that we look for in a God figure, and we look for in the island, you know, and whatever it might be that is guiding hand. And I I don't know if you have any thoughts about the intermingling of those ideas.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, like, you know, the, the why of it all like that, that, yeah, yeah that, that beautiful moment, that painful moment that, that, that Locke has in the car with his dad, like, why did you do this to me? You know, like that, that question haunts all of lost, you know, like, why is this happening to me? Why are you doing this to me? Um, uh, and, 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 that question is so resonant in, in all of us in so many ways. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and yeah, like, uh, e- even as someone, again, that just kind of like, like for, for me, um, that's where, like, if I, if, forgive me if I'm taking your question in a different way, but Not that's, all, yeah. but, but that's, but, but the, the, the why speaks to both of my interests in the show, right? The puzzle part of me that wants to figure the thing out. Um, and the faith part of me that, um, that, 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 that that likes the show is sort of like a, an expression of, 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 of tumultuous, uh, a spiritual belief. I just feel like, um, like for, for me, the, the thing that, that, that I often struggle with in my own life is like, when do I stop trying to figure things out, and when do I just trust? When do I hang on, and when do I let go? When do I stop asking why um, to the impossible questions of existence that can't be explained? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. um, um, and I just I, I feel like it's, it's it's amazing how this show kind of like pursues the, the that that idea in so many different ways, getting out of the cosmic for a second, but just in the emotional and in the, in the personal, like why, why do relationships fail? Why did this person do this to me? Why am I the way that I am? Like, these are like, these are great questions that, 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 that deserve answers that, 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 that we obsess over that, that we should interrogate. But but at the same time, like there is a point in which some of these questions, some of these mysteries of self, of 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 our past, of pain, of our own identity, can't be answered. And so, when do we learn then to let go of that interrogation and just to you know live out our lives or or choose to be who, who we want to be and live that out that 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 tension that paradox between constantly questioning and then at what point do you stop questioning and just kind of live out your life in trust and faith like of 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 who you are who you want to be like um like it's uh, i just love all of that about lost and how it's all complicated that way
2: absolutely um all right. So let me let me rewind, press rewind, uh watch it again uh, a little bit on this time in your interaction with the show. Just before season two, uh the big question, of course, was what's in the hatch? Do you remember any theories that you had about what was in the hatch that did not wind up being a Scotsman pressing a button every 108 uh, minutes? <laughs> Do you remember any of your hatch theories? Yeah.
0: What was I thinking (laughs) going into the show? What was in there? What was inside the hatch? Um, I don't know. Okay. (laughs) I really really forget what I might have been thinking about what was inside the hatch. I think most of my... um, uh, conjectures, if I had anything really thought out by that time was kind of linked to any sort of speculation as to what the monster was. Um, and because, you know, in, in, in season one, what little we saw of the monster seemed to suggest that it was subterranean. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it might be linked to something, something mechanical. So I think that the idea of a hatch embedded in the earth, and the fact that the monster, at least in season one, was presenting, is probably something manufactured um, and possibly mechanical. I think that most of my kind of like general theorizing at that point. Was that the island? That there was that there, there was an elaborate machine works underneath the island, and the hatch represented some kind of like portal into the, the mechanisms of the island. Um, and so that's what I kind of thought would maybe happen um, once they descended down into the hatch. Um, that it would it would certainly lead to tunnels that would lead to other parts of the hatch uh, island. and and maybe even different communities on the Island uh, of something. I think that was my broader sense of, of of, of my, my broader kind of like general theorizings, like my very specific theorizings about lost really didn't begin until what we actually saw, um, um, uh, like in, in the hatch, I never once considered, and I, and, and, and this is kind of an important thing to, you know, I've reflected on. I never once considered that there was a person living in the hatch, you know?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, 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 and I've often like wondered why I never thought of that. And if that, if that says something positive or negative about me, um, because, you know, it's interesting <laughs> One of one of the rules of Lost that became apparent to us by the end of the show, and is a rule of Damon's storytelling, Damon Lindelof's storytelling, and the storytelling of everyone in that in, in the Lost writer room, is that is that the best answer to a Lost mystery is a person. Um, it's not an idea. It's not a thing. It's not some ancient piece of history it's a character it's a person Mm -hmm. it's someone whom we can talk to or contend with or grapple with or have conflict with um um, it's a person so um like and, and and i think that that's an amazing rule at least on the level of storytelling and i think it's a great rule for lost because i think that regardless of what 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 you think of what comes after these three episodes and regardless of what you think of how they resolve the D- Dharma Initiative mythology, I really do think that those three episodes and, 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 and the introduction of the character of Desmond um, was just incredibly delightful. And in fact, I think that one of the questions you asked me before I kind of went on this long answer was maybe some things that I noticed um, or uh, like watching it again um, in, in preparation for this. And like one of the things I connected to rather powerfully was just that sense of utter delight in the living mystery of Desmond, you know, de- of Desmond, yeah. you know, like, who is this guy? Like, you know, like, like how, how did he get here? His whole, like, his his own sort of like confusion and bafflement and befuddlement um, about his own predicament um and his, uh, and, and just the attitudes and the way that he holds himself in these first three episodes, like I, and and all, and, and the first time that we're hearing his catchphrase, see you in another life, brother, <laughs> I just remembered like how much that like, like completely captured my imagination. Um, uh, What, you know, I, I, like it's possible that back in the day, people might've had, mixed opinions about what that show, how that show resolved the question of what's in the hatch. But for me, they, they knocked the cover cover off the ball. Like I was just (laughs) all in on how they resolved all that.
2: Uh I, I completely agree with you. Um, I love that idea that the answer to the best answer to a mystery is a person or a character or something messy and, and human that we have to grapple with. I really love that. Right. Um, you mentioned sort of—I um, don't know—you never, you never thought it might be a person. And um, I, I have covered certain shows in depth, certain shows that uh, you know are begging me to theorize. I have chased incorrect rabbits down incorrect holes, uh, yeah. theorizing. <laughs> um, and I'm just—I'm curious. I mean, you know, you don't have to like tell us incorrect theories you had, but I'm curious: what is a rabbit that you, you know, chased down the wrong hole in theorizing about loss that you? You don't regret chasing because you—I don't know—you learned a lot about something, or uh, you know, you you just enjoyed the ride. It didn't matter that it didn't pan out.
0: Every single one. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the yeah. one thing. That's the one thing that like I've 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 tried to talk about for years in terms of my own obsessive theorizing about the show. Um, And I think that this is important to be in in, in being a lost fan. Now now I'm going to be rather strident at the point to the point of maybe being offensive to people. But (laughs) what I would say is like there is there is no right way to be a lost fan. But 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 there is at least one wrong way Mm -hmm. to be a lost fan and that law and that way is to sort of have a theory and now watching it to be proven right, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so and and like if, if if you were watching Lost because you had this idea of of, of what it all means and how it's all going to add up, and 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 you were waiting around to see if you were right like I, I i feel bad for you, because like that's a unless you are right, there's a, now there's only one way you could possibly enjoy the show, which is to be right, and, and most likely, you know, we were all wrong. um so um I remember at one point when uh during the Doc Jensen days, and I would get reader mail and i and I remember getting into it one time with a with 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 a with a fan who was a theorizer and he had maybe a couple different theories but there were a couple that he um held on to passionately right. and i'm not trying to hide his name because i really forget his name now <laughs> um but he, and i was like i remember talking to him and was like you know what like i i don't think being right about this is 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 is, is what it's really about you know mm-hmm. um and uh, and, and he was like, "Oh, but, 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 Jeff, like, can't you imagine, like, you know, at the end of Lost?" and Oprah Winfrey has the entire cast and the writers on the show of law uh, uh, on her show to celebrate the series finale. Cause she used to do that. Remember on her show, the Oprah Winfrey show, she would have like casts of like friends or whatever, like on toward the, the ends of their runs. So, uh, um, uh, uh, he was like, imagine that she's going to do that for lost. And in that, in, in, in that final episode, like, like, like they'll they'll invite the one or two or three fans who got it right, wow. and they celebrate those fans. Like in the show, and I'm like, are, are, are you kidding? But. So like really? That's, <laughs> that's what that's what we're playing for here. Wow. Like, to be on the Oprah Winfrey show. Yeah, like, and I, I just like, I just never really related to it that way. Like, yeah. I just loved, like. Uh, the stimulation of every episode and the stuff that it got me thinking about and the and the rabbit holes it would send me down. I loved that exploration. I loved. I, I, I never wanted one single theory of Lost. I, I like every week was about building a new theory and then throwing it away and saying, okay, like. Next week, like, give me something new to chase and let me think about it in a different way. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. Lost is like this diamond with all of these different facets. And I just like rolling it around in my hand and looking at all, using the theories to look at the show in a lot of different ways. That's for me when the theorizing was the most fun, which was it would give me kind of a, a new angle to chase and it would lead me to a crazy collection of thoughts. That it will allow me to appreciate the show in a different way. I think that to to be a, 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 a you know for me, my lost fandom was uh, ultimately uh, I liked playing with the show, yeah, and I like to sort of like I uh, 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 think about the show in a lot of different ways and fear about theorizing about it in a lot of different ways. But at the same time, recognizing and submitting to the fact that this is a show being written by a group of writers who are telling us a story and they are following their own muse to some final destination. And you 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 gotta like it for that reason too. You know? So I never as 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 weird and wacky as I could be with my theories as if to suggest here's how I'm looking at the show. Like I felt like I can I could be that guy and have fun that way while also kind of just like appreciating the show for being the story that it was
2: i uh so as someone who uh, you know i I covered Game of Thrones for years, and it was on um and that means that wherever I went oftentimes uh when people found out that that's what I did, they would ask me questions about Game of Thrones, so I'm curious and see so you were yeah. the lo- the lost guy I was a game of Thrones person you were the lost guy, and so I'm just wondering <laughs> um what was the weirdest place or moment in your life where someone tried to talk to you about lost and you were like, really here. Okay. You know, like, did that happen to you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, there, there were no weird places for me to ever talk about lost because no matter where I was from 2005, roughly, when my lost obsession took off to 2010, I was always talking about loss. So for everyone in my life, whether they knew me or not, I was the weird place, you know, <laughs> like in the sense of like to encounter me in any situation um, uh, was to enter my kind of obsessed, warped um uh uh, 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 like, you know, thing of lost. Um, I, 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 I it's hard for me to, uh, to, to, like, I don't really have a great, even funny answer to that question because, because like, I, I, I really did enjoy talking about lost and, and to a degree that like, I think a lot of some people at that time, in my life, were like I'm a little concerned about you, Jeff. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, "Come on, you know I'm just having fun." And now I look back on it, and for any number of reasons, which I've written about in the past, um, no, they were right. Like I was really all in on that show for very for for fun reasons, but very personal and and, and difficult reasons, like like you know. Uh, uh, like you know I've written about this in the past before so I so I hope I don't you know uh, mind me saying it again but wow. yeah. you know during during this period of time like uh, my wife like was struggling with a serious illness with cancer and so that was a very difficult time in our family and um lost became, for, for, for better and worse, um, given the themes that the show was dealing with, was, it felt like it was, um, to use a spiritual word, ministering to, mm-hmm. to, to me in the sense of my own confusions about, about that situation. Um, but it was also an escape from that situation, um, both in good ways and I look back on it now and like, Oh, like, you know, like, you know, would I trade every moment that I was on the, was on when I was on it, Wikipedia, like a researching turn of the screw, <laughs> um, for a, another mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. with, uh, with, with, with my wife. Yes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, at that time in my life, it was like, it, it, it was unneeded. That was my distraction. Um, so, um, boy, I kind of, took your fun question in a really no. kind of tough place. No. But, but that was, that was lost for me um, in that period of time. There, yeah. there, there was, you know, I, I, I did enjoy the role of lost answer man. Um, uh, and uh, I did enjoy every single conversation with every um, fan who was equally engaged with with the show, um, and so uh, I, 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 I don't recall any awkward or like, why are you talking about Lost here on a plane or <laughs> here in the middle of the street yeah, or, yeah. Or, or or whatever? Like, I, I never really have any of those stories. I, I was just, I was the guy that you're listening to now, and your viewers are, or your listeners are listening to now, the guy who just goes on and on and on <laughs> about Lost.
2: Um well no that's exactly why we love you. Um I I want I want to ask you there there's there's something going on with Jack in this episode. I you know this this is related to your the answer you just gave me, but there's something going on with Jack in this episode that I connected to this time in a way I haven't before which is an anger, and Jack is off often angry, but there is an anger in this episode that even though I can't quite put my finger on why Jack is so angry in this episode, I connected to his anger. And so, um and I don't know if that's just like living in Trump's America has put me in a place or something like that where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, get angry. <laughs> but like, um for you, I, I don't know, like if you have any thoughts about Jack's anger, either specifically in this episode or or in the series overall um, that you either connect with or don't?
0: Um, you know, in, in this episode, it's interesting. Kind of coming to this episode, I feel like that Jack is an interesting character for me and a tough character for me in that, in order for me to really appreciate Jack, I feel like I have to take the whole journey with Jack. So, like in terms of preparing for this episode for, for, for this conversation today, I watched orientation out of context of lost right. for the first time in like, you know, several years and, um and, 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 and Locke's story was easy for me to trip into. Desmond's story was easy to drop into. And of course, Hurley and even Saeed's story was just easy for me to kind of like, you know, like connect with those, um, Jack's intensity, Jack's issues are such that for me, I kind of feel like I need a bigger reboot on Jack in order to really connect with, um, right. with, uh, with, with, that. That said, the thing about Jack, like, which I accept at face value in this episode is, is, you know, obviously they're an incredible they're an incredibly stressful situation um given the events that have led up to this moment in, in this season. Um but he this idea that he is profoundly rattled by Desmond. He knows who Desmond is, yeah. you know. He yeah. remembers this past relationship with Desmond. Jack is a guy who just believes so needs to believe so much in his own self sufficiency and himself that he that he is enough to be the the hero of his life right. um, and to, to 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 conquer or master any situation. He's he's a superhero personality. He is always in control. He has to be in control. If he's not in control, he, he's worried that he he will he, he will self-destruct. Um and he's worried about what he will do um if he feels out of control. Because ultimately, he's also an addict personality, right. um, and so and 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 he's never really, I think, properly addressed that part of himself either. He's 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 trying to save himself and cure himself through his own just like you know belief in his own Superman nature. So anything that comes along that subverts that sense of self. Things that, like, you know, are beyond his, his powers of control or outside his understanding is such a profound threat to all of that. So to encounter this total coincidence that can't be a coincidence um, of this man that I encountered once long ago in a pivotal point of my life, and he's here he's in this he's in this hatch on this island how can that be well the the only thing that can maybe explain that possibly is that i that there is a greater design to my life that i'm not seeing that i'm being manipulated by forces that i am not really in control of my own destiny right. and i think that idea just like like it just, it just touches on all of the wounded parts of Jack, you know, and, 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 and that agitates him. And when he gets that way, he just gets intense. He gets angry. He gets out of control. Um, and, and, and that's sort of like the the Jack that we're seeing here. So that's how I'm kind of making sense of him in, in this moment. The, 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 the mystery of Desmond and, um, and, and and the parts of that 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 touches on just his own sense of like agency but also the very the, the very specific wounded parts of reminding him of his you know failed relationship yeah, um with, with his wife a yeah. uh, relationship that maybe he should never have been in in the first place and then the possibility that this that this crazy lock guy might be right like which just kind of like gets under his skin like that's kind of how I'm reconciling all of that it's just touching on those Wounded parts of Jack that he is trying to to, 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 to to heal by by just believing that he is enough, that he's in total control, that he doesn't need people, that he doesn't need God. He doesn't need his dad yeah. like, you know, yeah, exactly, like right. he, that, he, that he that he is enough, you know.
2: I love that. That that idea that like both, you know, this is the fundamental idea of, of Lost, um, right? <laughs> or a fundamental idea. Both Locke and Jack are presented with these bad father figures, these father figures who uh, leave them wounded or abandoned or are unreliable or uh, downright destructive, right? Um, and if you extrapolate that to a godlike figure, right, um, you can. And then what is your reaction to that? Is your reaction exactly what you're saying with Jack, which is you're, you become a clenched fist and you're just curled in on yourself and you're just like, I, it's just me then, got it, I got this, fine. Or do you somehow become a lock and still keep searching for, those larger answers, those larger forces. I love this idea that Desmond threatens that, that clenched fist for Jack. And he's like, no, I will not open it up to this, to the (laughs) mysteries of the universe. Um, I think that's, that's great. Um, right. All right. So my last question for you, and thank you so much for your time. This is such a pleasure for me to talk to you about this, um, is, you know, in your, in your relationship with the show, uh, and in writing, so, uh, you know, becoming the lost guy, um, you then like, you know, sort of Got the dream that, that people who get so involved in another creator's work and that you've, you've gone on to work with Damon on Tomorrowland and on Watchmen a bit. Um, and I was just wondering if you, you know, I I don't know how much you can say about whatever, but I, I am, I was so excited. I'm excited every week to see your name and the credits for Watchmen. And I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about what that's like to sort of flip to the other side of collaborating with a creative mind that you've spent so long studying.
0: Yeah, you know, um I uh, I have so, so I'll, I'll tell you a story as a way to help answer that question. Perfect. The very first time I ever talked to Damon, it was an interview in The Fall of 20, 2004. So, um I was a writer at Entertainment Weekly. I was writing about both movies and TV. I was becoming increasingly interested in all things JJ Abrams, Bad Robot, and I was all in on Lost. And um Whenever Dan Sneerson, my good friend Dan Sneerson, my, <laughs> yeah. my partner in Totally Lost, um, like wasn't writing about, yes, um, whenever he wasn't writing about Lost, I, I, I would come in and, and, and write something else. And so in the fall of 2004, um, I was assigned to write this like 150 word box and the TV section of, 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 of Entertainment Weekly about the use of quote-unquote Easter eggs um, in the storytelling of Lost. And so I called up ABC and said, hey, can I interview J.J. Abrams and they said, well, you know, JJ is like a really important person, and he doesn't really have a lot of time to do interviews, uh, especially for a 150-word box in Entertainment Weekly. But would you talk to Damon? Because he's like equally involved in running the show, and he's, he's a co-author of the show, and he's really important. And I'm like, fine, I'll talk to Damon, <laughs> yes. whoever this guy is, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, so, um, and so, so they put him on the phone. And he's like, hi, and like, you know, he introduces himself and we have some, you know, chit chat. And the first thing he asks me is, what else are you working on other than this 150 word box? You must be doing other things at Entertainment Weekly, right? And I was like, well, yeah. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm writing and reporting an oral history of the creation of the greatest graphic novel, really comic book series ever made. And he goes, Watchmen? I'm like, yeah. Wow. And like, you know, because I I I did not assume that this guy knew anything about comics, so I wasn't going to say Watchmen. I just say comic. He was like Watchmen. He goes like, yeah. And it's like, you know, Watchmen. And he was like, oh my gosh, like Watchmen. Like we're talking about Easter eggs, and like, like, where do you think I learned Easter eggs from? You know. And then like this led to this conversation that stretched what was supposed to be a fifteen minute phoner. Now, the first half an hour to 45 minutes with tape <laughs> rolling, by the way, yeah. um, is like all about our our obsession with Watchmen. And so it's interesting then that, you know, 15 years later, um, through, you know, getting to, to know him while reporting out Lost after Lost was over, kind of saying, I'm not going to write about you anymore. What I, cause I, you know, let, us be friends. And, uh, and so like we, we develop a friendship and then we work on Tomorrowland together. Um, and then now like in this, in this new adventure, you know, when, when he decided to do Watchmen as a television show, he invited me to come along for, 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 for this weird ride. And it, it feels like our whole rapport comes full circle. Um, and, and, and in trying to sort of tackle the problem of, uh, you know, uh, uh, around this sort of thing that w- we love that inspired so much of our, uh, imagination, uh, growing up, um, and trying to conquer the problem of how do you tell, um, a, a watchman's story as a television show and, um, to, to, to be now on the inside of, of, of working on a television show, created by a guy whose television storytelling I just I I, I've i admired for a long time um has been a a thrill it's been it's been fun it's been exciting it's been challenging it's been difficult um but it's 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 been it's it's been great and it's funny because to bring it full circle with the episode that we're telling about and to kind of maybe you know. Dead end us into a small point.
4: <laughs>
0: but, you know, what, you know, uh, it, it, it's funny watching uh, this episode of Lost through the eyes of being a Damon collaborator and listening to his stories about um, the stories that he's told in the past on television, the lessons that he's learned, and the rules that he's. Um, that that he's in uh, uh 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 adopted as a result of them and there is a cert- you know this episode of of lost uh it, you know a, a big part of the problem of this episode of lost occurs when a gunshot goes off and hits the computer and they have to spend the entire episode fixing the computer um, and uh and it was fun to learn for example um, that in the writers' room of Lost, after this episode, whenever they would get into storytelling jams, if you will, where, where where they knew that they needed a kind of plot that kind of represented, you know, maybe manufacturing a conflict for the sake of creating a story <laughs> um, before they get to the the one big thing that needs to happen in that episode, they called it the shot computer plot, you know? (laughs) Um, and, and so the idea, and and I learned this lesson like while, um, I I could be getting that story a little wrong, wrong. Like we'll watch Damon call you up and wanting to do an emergency podcast to clarify this, uh, this story. But like, um, but, but, but the idea that I've heard the phrase, you know, it's a shot computer, a lot in the writer's room (laughs) of of, of Watchmen. And, um, you know, usually because, you know, the thing about Watchmen is that every episode is so dense and is a story itself. There is no room or time for shot computer plots. So whenever... Was, you know, like I, I would pitch a bad idea or an idea that he didn't want to go <laughs> do, he, he would often say, "That's a shot computer plot. <laughs> Um And so, uh, but you know, but so it was funny then um, watching uh, watching this episode and encountering the shot computer yeah. and learning, the or you know, and experiencing the origin of this phrase that he used often in the room.
2: Yeah that's, so, yeah that's that's really funny. Um we were just watching a um we were just watching a um a later season episode I'm watching uh with my roommate and she's never seen the later seasons and the later season is just very she was like She's like, remember when they spent, you know, half a, half a season trying to get into the hatch? And it's like, yeah, later seasons of Lost is a similar thing. There's no time for a shot computer plot in a later season of Lost, right? You're just like going, going, go right. go you know, sort of thing. So that's funny. Uh, um, yeah. what a, what a great little bit of, uh, uh, you'll hear, you know, people will, you listeners will hear me say shot computer plot again and again as we go through, uh, <laughs> I trust. There we that go. We'll do that.
0: One other interesting thing that I really noticed about Orientation watching it again, and that I think that I was in touch with when I saw it the first time, you know, when I was watching season two when it first aired with the rest of us, is that Orientation really is also an episode in which Lost is talking to its fandom about The Struggle and Frustration of Being a Lost Fan, Mm. you know, Um, it it, it is a very self-aware episode about the demands that it's placing on the audience, but it's, you know, in the sense of, like, this is, you know, we are a broadcast television show. It is our job to be, to remain a successful broadcast television show, which means that all of these mysteries that you want answered, all of this, the plot tension, will these guys get rescued? Where are they? All of these things now are like, we don't know when we're going to resolve all of this stuff. And because we don't know if we can end the show and what we know behind the scenes is that, what we know about behind the scenes of the show is that as early as the beginning of season two, Damon Carlton and JJ knew that they had an issue of, you know, uh, you know, like the only way that the best possible form of lost is probably a 48 episode show. And that, um, and that, and and that we're not going to be able to really resolve all of these things that people want answers to or resolution to, uh, until we know we can end. And until then, like, you know, a lot of it is going to have to be shot computer plots. You know, a lot of it is going to have to be like, you know, a drift on an ocean with Sawyer and Michael on a log, you know, right. a lot of it is going to be like, you know, like, you know, Sawyer, Jin, and Michael trapped in a cage, uh, trapped in, in, in that little pit, you know, um, and that for the, for the lost fan, then um, it's an act of faith. It's an, it's a leap of faith that like all of this means something. All of this is going to add up to something. And that until then it is an exercise in like watching a, 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 a choppy orientation film and having faith that it means something. <laughs> right. It does represent just like sitting at a computer uh, and dutifully inputting a code every 108 minutes, as you you know, uh, in the same way that you show up here every week to watch 60 minutes of Lost, and and, and 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 so in many and various ways, orientation is about setting an orientation for Lost fandom, and it's a show that's it's an episode that says. W- like we feel your pain, you know, we get it, you know, like this, this, our job is to keep you constantly entertained and constantly enmeshed with this show. But at the same time, we understand that it's a leap of faith for you and we're kind of grateful for it, you know? So, um, that's, that's another thing that really kind of struck me about orientation.
2: Yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way. It's it's, it's an excellent point. But I mean, balancing, the large mysteries with this, with the network demands of like action of the, how do we, how do we get out of this? How are we going to get out of the pit this time? Folks stay tuned. <laughs> stuff. So, um, That's right. right. <laughs> oh, Michelle Rodriguez is here. Okay. Um. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you for that agenda. That, that was fantastic. And, and thank you also for your time. I really do appreciate it. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for asking me on. Um, alright, we're crawling out of the pit, crawling out of the hatch to thank our, uh, friends and Patreon subscribers. Uh, you too can be part of our small council. You get to watch movies with us. You get to, ooh, they're doing a gift exchange again this year, the second annual Storm Podcast gift exchange. So if you're part That's of- That's
3: just because they're great people. We don't, we don't, yeah, but we do organize
2: that. You gotta be in the small council. Ca- they do it. You just got to be in the small council to do it with them. And it's really fun. They like give each other fun gifts and it's not like, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. We have fun. All right. Um, so we want to thank, uh, these, these small council members, including a bunch of newbies. We got Chelsea Doyle, Mark Larson, Devin, Michelle Cahill, Ben grieving, Grace Brown, Christopher, Vanjonik. Gabriel Colorado, Matt Turl, LM, Marcus Holdgrave, uh, Amy Thompson, Dean, Laura Anderson, Jeff Ruberg, Laura At you, Etchu, uh, Benjamin Jacoby, Reginator Cakes, Elise Abschutz, and Gustavo, Gustavo, Gustavo no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gustavo Villarreal. Thank you guys so much.
1: I too have a list of folks that we would like to thank starting with DJ Empirical. We also have Aubrey Eyer, Phil Jackie, Jessica Lair, Svabrier Sigfusson, I think that's right. Menu Mishra, Megan McLeod, David Koplos, Eve Fontelet, Ryan Silverstein, Lily Lim, Derek Doc, Vince, Luis, Russell Griffin, Philip Durrett, Melanie Rodriguez, Sarah Carmichael, Spencer Howard, Wong Lee, and Michael Sample. Thank you all.
3: Oh, that was just just thank you all. and that, Yep, that, that was it. That Sorry. In the okay, good. Alright. I also have a list of people who thank swell Council members. Thank you. Jenna Mandel, Chris Ernst, Rosa Peretta, Ashish Shreedharan, Kayla Sargent, Annie A.K., Stephanie Breitbach, Becky McMorrow, Matt Campbell, Bronwyn Beck, Aaron, Jillian, Q Johnson Arnold, Jeremy M. Johnson, Joe Torrens Fernandez, Paul, Asaya Glover, Kelly Edison, Tay, Kelsey Almaguer, Almaguer, Kelsey Almaguer, Je- and jennifer barrett thank you guys so much for being part of the small council <laughs> <laughs> i
1: think my favorite part is when you get through a hard one and then you screw up an easy one next yeah because it's like damn i just got through the hard one oh shit
3: i'm i'm, I'm unstoppable i feel like what? i do oh, that too <laughs> Peter, damn it <laughs> We're back in the storm for another week. Uh, this week we have Hatch Film, uh, but more importantly, we are back with a lock antagonist check-in that actually means something. We begin pressing the button, and this is uh, uh, ultimately an exercise in character, you know, uh, exploration. And uh, not so much uh, an exercise in mythology, because at the end of this, you know, the hatch is going to implode, I think, one way or the other. Uh, The world doesn't actually end.
2: Okay, can we go back to this today.com article that Jules... Yes. Oh, let us, let us. Hmm. Uh, E also hints a female character will be killed off soon, just saying... What? 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 Which one? Like,
3: Shannon. Okay.
1: See, the oh, funny thing Shannon. is.
4: <laughs>
3: oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think,
1: you know what? You feel can good. see it. You can see it at the time, everybody thinking that it's going to be, well, I guess your initial reaction would be, what, Kate? And then be like, nah, they wouldn't kill Kate. So then it's like, oh, well, Anna Lucia, she may not last long. Um, yeah, I think she that's could be why the, the Shannon thing sort of comes out of left field. Because you know i don't think anybody expected it to be shannon
3: (laughs) yeah no i forgot it was shannon because at this point they still haven't cast livy or bernard because they're they don't appear earlier in the episode yeah they're coming up conveniently shot around yeah i mean they know they have to have them but they aren't the actors yet and uh the thing i was referring to is they edit a picture of penny in uh the jack sees. Right, cuz it's uh, uh,
1: originally aired with a different actress. Cuz they don't cat right. Penny doesn't actually show up until like the finale of this season.
3: Right? Uh yeah, or season 3? Is it the finale of the season?
1: Or season 3? It's whatever what? the what is it? Live together die alone part 1.
3: Oh, I think that's the that's the finale, finale. Of this one. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so good. That's when we come back to Desmond being written back into the show because he has comes back with the magical. Mm. Oh, that's uh, when we find out about
1: uh, Kelvin as well. That's when Kelvin shows up. That's the Isn't, flashback. Yeah.
2: Isn't the best part of that? Des- are you talking about the Desmond and Penny photo?
1: Yeah, yeah. Isn't
2: the best part of that photo the fact that it was like taken in front of a <laughs> backdrop, like a paper backdrop, that he's not actually in a marina? No. Yeah.
1: Well. Yeah.
2: Because
4: it's. <laughs>
2: I love, that's one of my favorite things that Locke has ever done. (laughs) Is you're like, one thing I know for sure, Desmond and Penny once stood in front of a marina. No, and it's just like some market. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or (laughs) it was just a paper backdrop. Anyway.
1: Uh, They were never in the marina. (laughs) It's a really great retcon later.
2: Yeah. How are we going to get, how are we going to get in front of the marina? What if we don't? Um, anyway. What if there was
1: no Marina the whole time, Ooh.
4: yeah. Now
2: that we're on the other side of it, I I think I feel more comfortable saying that the shoot the computer, um, idea is like, like a problem of the week, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. um, and that later, uh, and it's a good one, right? There's a ticking. There's literally a ticking clock. Kate has to get Said. Said has to figure out to fix a thing. Hurley has to follow the conduits and apparently has never seen Jurassic Park, so he doesn't know what they are. You know, like all this sort of stuff. But um
1: Hurley almost gives John the wrong number.
2: <laughs> it's true, it's true. Um but the um um later on in Lost, Lost will not have room for it. this is a that still that feels like a very network kind of thing, right? And what Jeff Yeah problem
1: the- of the week, Monster of the Week. Right.
2: What Jeff describes is that in, in the Watchmen writer's room, when they were talking about ideas, like, if does, if Damon was going to shoot something down, he would say, that's a shoot the computer plot. And like, basically, we don't want to do those stories on this show. And, lo- and Lost later on, um, does not have room for shoot the computer plots. Barely any shoot the computer plots, uh, in later seasons, like the last two and a half seasons of Lost. So, um, I think that's fun. It's a fun. It's a fun little shorthand uh, that we got from this episode of Lost.
3: Oh yeah, I mean, and then they also like these. These three episodes are all like those mini things just stacked on top of each other. It's kind of amazing to think about when Hurley comes back in this episode and is like, "Oh, I'm glad that like baby sealing thing didn't happen. That that is like what most of them are thinking about." Because we've spent so much time in this moment where, like, getting the people on the raft back on the island and now they're in a pit. And then, like, the hatch thing's happening and now we have the computer... And we had to watch the hatch the thing from
1: three different angles Uh-huh. over the course of Just several sort of, weeks.
3: We exactly know what's happening and all the questions before, you know, we get trapped down there for stuff like lockdown and stuff. But I, I really... This is, like, apex of mystery because we start getting, like, weird answers to some of these questions and some were less satisfying than not but in in mystery box fashion orientation might be one of my favorite if not my favorite episode of season two just like oh everything's bursting at the seams but then you know now he gets to talk about if if uh walt walt gets to live in that computer along <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. other things don't you definitely don't use the computer to communicate with walt
2: it's, yeah, it's funny. I have never considered this to be like, even a top episode of Lost. But the, hearing all of you guys talk about it, I think it, it probably is. I just never thought of it that way. And I think it's because this, It's I think it's because I thought of this episode as just so concerned with mystery. And that's not necessarily my top thing about Lost that I love. But it is so much about character too. It's both. The other thing Mm -hmm. that Jeff said that just like blew my mind, uh, is that, um, I can't remember if he said it was like an actual thing that Damon has articulated or just something that I think it is something that Damon are, Damon Lindelof articulated, which is the best answer to a mystery. Oh, brace, brace yourself. Like hold on to something. Uh, listeners have already heard this because they already (laughs) heard it, but the best answer to a mystery is a person. And, uh, that, will be useful in watching Watchmen as well but um in watching uh lot, you know the best answer to what's in the hatch is desmond hume is in the hatch you know um and, and then
1: he's running away from the hatch
2: and then it's like a me- yeah so then, <laughs> so then it like blends the two things you know like What's in the hatch, it's a human and a messy human with complicated human emotions. And, like, he's going to have his own very, like, emotional story that we're going to get caught up in on the show. And that's, like, that's the blend of, like, the two things that lost us. And then well, we're going right? to need to know
1: what the hell happened to Kelvin.
2: Oh, what, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no one cares. Sorry, Kelvin. Um No, that's one of the things I love about this. This really is, like, you spend the whole first season of Lost um, learning that there is a mystery box. And then three episodes into season two, someone comes by and just, like, kicks the mystery box o- over <laughs> real quick. And it's like, oh, shit, look at all these things that just flew out of this box. Like, the, what is the Dharma Initiative? Who are these guys? Who's that Hanzo guy? That guy's crazy. Also, the d- who's the family that he mentions at the end? De Groots. <laughs> the DeGroots? What's their fucking deal? What's that? Yeah. Helen's in this. And, you know, obviously, we want to already know more about Helen um from season one. And, uh Yeah. It's, you know, and I think that there are also like other underlying questions that permeate this episode. Like, how are they, now that they have the hatch, what does that mean? What are they going to do with all the food? And they only have like 40 people. Um, Like, all of these, and, you know, they spend season two answering these questions, but if you think about it, they spend, they have to kind of spend the rest of season two unpacking this episode, which is, shows how sort of important this episode is, I think.
3: Yeah, and it's kind of amazing that they hold the button pressing tension for an entire season. It's still to me one of like a, a, it, I think I said this at the beginning of season 2, but like one of the most interesting ideas of like pre-planning a season of television and then executing it. Are
2: uh, you are you ready for my favorite moment of any episode of the Storm podcast? Sure. It's called it's time for luck prote- protagonist chicken. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Locke is a protagonist, especially in this episode, right? Um, mm. and, uh, y- <laughs> this episode doesn't unless unline- you
1: are Jack.
2: Well, this episode does underline sort of like what um, you know, Dave argued when I when he argued something that finally made sense to me, which is Locke at odds with Jack's in- Locke's intentions at odd with Jack's intentions make him as an antagonist. But like is Jack right? I mean, I think we can feel pretty confident that He's largely
1: not on this specific thing. He is wrong, obviously, because something does happen when they don't press the button. Um,
3: well, not only that, but Jack made it happen back in time.
1: (laughs) So, So yeah, he should have known, um, yeah it is
3: well i mean it's definitely his <laughs> burden to bear uh, at least in this episode cosmically interesting
1: well yeah and i think this episode does a good and this is maybe the strongest argument for why the flashback works because this episode does a lot of work to make you feel empathy for john um in you in seeing his frustration you're also kind of angry with him because he's being a real dick at the beginning um but then it sort of unwraps The reasons why he's so frustrated and so angry and that paired with this argument that he's having with jack and the fact that jack is just losing it over this um i think it makes john the not necessarily not just the protagonist but he's he is the sort of truth teller of this episode Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and he plays that role very well when he needs Mm -hmm. to
3: I think we're on its uh, his side because we have the flashback to parrot 2 but I'm not sure like if you're you're down in that hatch you're Saeed or Kate or Hurley why is this guy making this big deal about this first button push why does it have to be Jack this first time why does why does John Locke need Jack to you know sa- sacrifice his pound of psychic flesh uh, like right now in such a dramatic fashion uh it, it it's because desmond
1: like... recognized him mm, i think yeah, that's what throws john also... like that's what throws john into this like i need to escalate this and and it's funny because that's something they actually changed from the last episode because in what is it like when he first sees desmond jack's the one who says you
3: yeah that's the, and in this episode the desmond's the one Amanda recognizes
1: so yeah so when des i think that's the moment like when desmond recognizes jack Locke knows that he's got him in a weird like faith pickle so he's like <laughs> he's like i got him he can't just weasel his way out of this because he can't just be like the universe is oh, random God. then why the yeah, hell does that yeah. guy know who
3: you are does that sound does that sound like the act of a protagonist to you Yeah. um <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's
3: right. Well, he's right. So he's yeah. Right.
2: <laughs> also, wait, No, also, he's not right.
3: They don't need to press the button.
1: Well, they if they don't press the button in that moment, they would be in trouble. Well, kind of.
3: That's that. That's true because they didn't run. But everybody on the beach would have been fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, everybody survives the hatch blowing up. But
2: oh, except it's Desmond's still, clothes, right? Except Desmond's uh. clothes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so wait, who knows? Wait, wait, They're just
1: wait, not wait. ready to all be naked.
2: We got too far away from it, but right. I just need to say <laughs> that I'm calling Weird Faith Pickle as the band name. My band name, I called it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have it. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can tell that that's the moment where he's like, uh, "I got, I, I have the upper hand against Jack
4: here."
2: Here's the thing that, that Jeff said that we, we talked about in terms of daddy issues and God issues and all that sort of stuff that I want to raise you guys and we can talk about in the calm future. But like this idea that Jack, because his father let him down all his life, has become a person who needs to feel like I am an, I, I can only depend on me. It is just me. Uh despite his whole live together die alone thing like he's the leader it's him he he can't depend on people, but he wants to encourage people to depend on him right and so he doesn't he can't believe in God he can't believe in the universe he can't believe in the island he can't believe in the the coincidence of Desmond being there because that would open him up to being vulnerable to something that like his father has made him just uh you know close himself in on himself um and Locke had a similarly, like, much more harrowing experience with his father. But Locke is the kind of person who has opened himself up, continually tries to open himself up. And in the end, Jack becomes more like Locke in order to save the island.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's
2: almost and like. So I don't. I, Jack being on a journey to go from being Jack to being John can't make that end goal john the villain or antagonist he's trying he his journey is to open himself up the way that john has opened himself up and does john do uh stupid bad things in the name of his faith often yes but like ultimately the show is arguing that you know there's a reason why jack is the last person in the flash sideways to like you know wake up to the church because he's holding tight to this thing and like he the whole thing is about his journey to letting it go and and becoming more like john it's never been easy but that's the journey that he's on (laughs) and so like you can't you can't say that that then that what he's working towards is the villainy of the show you know dave (laughs) (laughs) i mean i uh
3: I think it has much more to do with, like, your views on, like, faith in general, because I, like, I agree with everything that you said, I just don't agree that pushing the button is productive to that journey for Jack.
2: I think it is. I think, well, I think, I think what's true... Uh, He
3: gets, he gets, both he and Locke get so taken with this fucking button that they completely reverse their positions by the time, like, everything goes to shit.
2: I think what's true is that Locke, um... Push too hard. He's trying to be like, "Come sit here with me, where I am, and see it from my point of view." And Jack's like, "I'm not ready." And Locke's like, "I'm gonna fucking make you ready." And that's too hard, too much, too fast. You need to slow. You need to leave a trail of breadcrumbs on the ground, up to your hand, and let the baby bird hop its way forward to you. You know what I mean? Like you can't just push someone to faith. You have to draw them to faith. And like, eventually, Locke does push Jack to well technically i think ben pushes jack to faith by killing Locke. like that's the the whole <laughs> the whole thing that happens right at the end of the series is that i'm sorry i'm rewatching season five right now but like what uh or yeah season five um is, is you know like, <laughs> who knows anymore is like ben kills Locke, and then everyone keeps telling like Locke tells Jack and Ben tells Jack that all these people that he left behind on the island are suffering because he left, because he was not supposed to leave, because it was his fault. He did it by leaving. So he has to go back in order to fix it. And so they prey exactly on Jack's vulnerable point, right? To get him to go back. But in going back, in buying into, even deeper into his savior complex, Jack has to accept the you know, the mysteries of the island has to give himself over to the mysteries of the island. And that's a hard, hard journey for Jack. It's just Locke is pushing him too hard here. He pushes him hard again later by dying. (laughs) But, um, you know, I just, I, I don't think it's, I think it's misguided. I don't think it's villainous. Hmm.
3: Again, I agree with a lot what you're saying, but Jack always goes back to the island or the incident doesn't happen. And that's not how time works. So it's like
2: that happened. too. I just watched an episode where Faraday's like sighing in his tie and explaining time. And I'm just like, (laughs) Dave (laughs) Gonzalez, (laughs) get off my TV.
3: (laughs) No, I'm there ties and all. always i'll always be there okay
1: i really like this though the idea this is why you
3: never read all the pages of your notebook (laughs) because you don't want to stumble across your future stuff
2: what neil what do you like
3: uh no i think this
1: this makes sense because okay what is john locke's sort of purpose here um, I do think that there is an element, and this really comes through in Terry Quinn's performance a lot in this show, is that he straddles the line between feeling, you, you kind of go between feeling like John is trying to manipulate someone, or John is trying to help them. Because I think John's experience with Jack up to this point is that Jack is a control freak. And maybe John's just trying to help him sort of move beyond that and 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 have a little faith um oh, yeah. but he I, does he Joanna's right sense... he pushes him a little too hard in this episode
3: well i think i think it's been building to the push uh like because he's been working on uh jack since he lifted him up off that cliff and what uh the,
1: the oh when he was running he was running around for his ghost dad for yeah. ghost dad
3: so it's like every time John and Jack have come across, they've had this thing. And at the end of uh, season one in Exodus, they have the actual fight. the You know, we were brought here for a reason. And then Jack's like, we have a lock problem. And then I think he still thinks we have a lock problem. But now all the teams have been reshuffled because of where the hatch is. So, I mean, again... I do I, I backed yeah. off villain. I'm not sure if I could back off antagonist. Definitely tragic. Oh, uh, but I
2: feel like tragic is progress. We'll get there to the same page. <laughs> well, out, we'll, we'll definitely get there when through our journal to the same page. It's fine.
3: When and when we get to the point in the series that like the island is you know, like bringing uh, Anthony Cooper to the island, then I, it'll be a lot harder for me to hold this position. Okay. But as of right now.
2: Well the thing is like the
3: the island is bringing people to Jack as far as we like know on the series. Like we don't we know that Aunt Lucy is there even though Jack doesn't know he's there. We know Desmond's there, and Jack knows Desmond's there. We think that maybe, you know, Jack's dad is there, but it's definitely the black <laughs> spoke monster has shown up. But it seems like a lot of people At least
1: one more Jack family member is there. Yeah,
3: that's true.
2: Oh, that's another good Lost Star Wars mashup that I saw is is someone took a scene of charlie talking to claire claire and he's like you love jack don't you and she goes of course i do
4: <laughs> get it <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's,
2: good. it's good it's, a, it's like a star wars. <laughs> it's like a star wars it's like a star wars it's War. like a star oh, wait, wars wait. okay wait what did i want to say um okay i don't want to remove carlton cuse from this situation or J.J. Abrams, or Lloyd Braun, or Jeff Lieber, or whatever, who wrote the original, like, whatever. But I think what we have to accept having seen the work that came after it, that the, the magic of Lost is really concentrated on Damon Lindelof. Hmm. And Damon Lindelof is telling a story, the story that he knows to tell best, which is his own story, right? And so I see jack and john same name as one of our listeners pointed out as like these warring factions inside of Damon, and this story is a progression of like how he went from jack to john or 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 held on to the best of jack to also include the best of john um and, you know, whether, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't think that, that David would say like, and then I achieved Nirvana by the end of Lost or anything like that. But like, okay. I think, I think that that's what he's trying to work through are these like parts of himself, these warring factions of himself. Um, and that's, that's part of what the story is about. Um, and how, and how those selves can connect to other people. Uh, so. That's what I. That's my. Let
1: me tell you, they were at war for a while.
2: (laughs) That's gonna be a whole season of this. (laughs) (laughs) That is my. That is my weekly unified theory of Lost uh, that I wanted to share with uh, y'all. Anyway, yeah, that um, checks out. This is a good episode of Lost. There is. There's going to be more hatch mysteries
3: coming up. We're going to get to talk about different stations. We're going to get to talk about why Pierre Chang isn't called Pierre Chang in like different episodes. I'm really the show
1: is almost immediately going to present in your face the idea that this is all just a psychological experiment, which is a throwaway line in this episode, but then becomes a whole thing in another episode, (laughs) which I love. It's
3: gonna be great gonna be great uh neil where are we gonna head next week uh on the island oh well we're
1: heading into the past of a lottery winner and everybody hates hugo which is a hurley episode guess what oh they already know we're in the storm hurley's name <laughs> is hugo
2: also hey. i think we
1: know that in the column too. uh anyway it's the first of like three or four straight great hurley episodes not straight but <laughs> like of the next couple hurley episodes they're all good yeah um
2: it. i think yeah um
1: it's like this and then the next one and then trisha shinaka is dead right those three oh, are really so great right. together
2: sawyer um sawyer says who the hell is hugo reyes and why does he have millions of dollars together,
1: so that was <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> when he's, he's the on the raft one. yeah
2: yeah yeah um can I give a shout out to uh something we didn't talk about but a great article that a bunch of our listeners were passing around? Um Yeah, busy. sure. Uh it's on uh the site, twenty five years later site com, which I believe is a Twin Peaks uh ish thing. Anyway, um the article which went up four days ago from when we we're recording this is called lost true constant was sentimentality and that's a good thing by hannah searson and it's about sort of some of the stuff that we've talked about in terms of like connection connecting with other people and how that is like a lost um an important lost theme uh it's a storm it's a stormy article but this is a storm so thought i'd raise it um and i think it's a really good read so give it a read uh, and thanks for writing it, Hannah. I don't, you don't listen to this podcast, but I just thought I'd say it. All right.
1: That's all. <laughs> Shout out to you and yeah. your lost article. Mm-hmm. It's very good.
3: Excellent. While people are visiting other places on the internet to see some stuff, where can people find more of our work? Uh, let's continue this week with Joanna Robinson.
2: Oh, um, yeah. You can find me on fannyfair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Wrote this, Um And... Oh, I got to interview Devon Odessa, who played Sharon Chersky on My So-Called Life, for the My So-Called Life podcast, and doing Boiler Room Cast. And she was a freaking delight. Uh, so you can listen to that at boilerroomcast.com, uh and listen to that interview. It was it was lovely speaking to her. So that's what's going on with me. Oh, and oh! Mr. Ne- oh bah, bah. Next week, uh, on Little Gold Men, we have the great Karina Longworth talking about her new series of uh, Katie Rich and I will talk to Karina Longworth next week on Little Gold Men. So you want st- to tune in for that.
3: Okay, Karina Longworth, a woman who can talk about minstrelry with authority and no shame uh this week on her song of the (laughs) south podcast (laughs) dave it's amazing
2: dream girl
3: (laughs) it is pretty great i have been restraining sending her a dm of congratulations until next week when she's going to go deeper into it anyway but i'll get there neil where can people find more of your work online uh yes you can get me at filmschoolrejects.com. you can
1: always follow me on twitter at rejects um also if you're a member of our patreon patreon.com slash storm of spoilers very hyped about the uh almost hour and a half long star wars episode that we did as a bonus episode <laughs> last week so uh you know if you're if you're thinking about pulling the trigger on that patreon now is the time
3: and i'm dave gonzalez you can find me on twitter at da 70 you could find me on the fighting in the war room podcast and uh here as always at the end of the podcast telling you right before the lost suspense noise to not
4: fall down